Hi, Signature Associates and friends. Welcome to the Signature Edge Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you design an uncommon and impactful career in the business of healthcare. Together, we are making a difference for our clients by lowering the rising costs and administrative burdens associated with great care. Engage with us as we spotlight big ideas to discover an uncommon you through leadership, teamwork, and focus on the healthcare industry. Think deeply, commit fully, and take yourself to the next level of performance. Well, welcome back, everyone, and welcome to the place where healthcare transformation happens. Hey, the Signature Edge. My name is Mark Mathai, and I'm here with my co-host, Amy Hennings and Chris Woodhouse. Amy, Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Hi, everyone. Hi, Amy. Hi, everyone. It's so fun to be back. Hey, what is going on in your world? So let's do a real quick catch up here. Coaching volleyball. <laughs> Takes uh, up all my time. <laughs> are you winning? We got second in regionals in the gold bracket. So we're doing pretty good. Doing darn good. Congratulations, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. I love volleyball. That is so fun. Amy, what have you been up to? Well, I've had a traumatic day. I had a flat tire and I do not do well with cars. Mm -hmm. Cars are not good for me. I wish they just fixed themselves. And I believe we have a topic today about AI. And I would like your opinion on if AI could help me fix my flat tire. Well, Amy, I'm still concerned about your ability to get to a car wash, to be honest. So I don't know that it's that advanced to help you actually uh, fix that flat tire. But that is a great subject and the topic of today. So let's start off talking about AI. And let me ask you, just flat out, AI, nervous or excited? Oh, a bit of both. A bit of both. It's crazy technology, crazy upside, crazy downside. So a bit of both. Okay. What are you most fearful of, most excited for? Well, I think AI, like most things technical, is a tool, right? And it's it's a very capable tool, and it's a matter of how it's being used, whether for good or for evil. And, uh, you know, the crazy part about it is it's, it's meant to make everybody's life easier. That means you can do bad easier, too, right? And so I think that it bears with it uh, an amount of risk as it comes to, you know, identity theft and many other things down that road that brings some consternation. But I think there are many gains to be had as well. Uh, on the other side of the house. Nice, Amy, what about you? I'm excited about it. I think if it's managed correctly, it will allow us as a world, I guess, to do really big, unimaginable things. And so I find it to be very exciting, but I think it needs to be managed correctly to what Chris was talking about. And I, I just think that there's a lot of people, a lot of industries that are going to get really disrupted by it. Yeah. And I agree with you both. I mean, there's so much I'm excited about when it comes to AI and, and the prospects that it brings to me, like on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but recently, I, I don't know what it was, but they started talking about some of that limitations or lack thereof of using somebody else's image and things like that. That got a little bit scary. So I can understand that behind every great technology, there is a whole discussion about ethics that needs to pursue and how we use it 
and then we get into the regulation of it. But we're, you know, for, for people like us who show up every day, have a job to do and want to improve healthcare, AI is really one of those things that we have to be having conversations like this. But what I'm mostly curious about is like, what about every day? How do we utilize this kind of technology just every day. So let me pose that question to the group and let's just talk about what are some practical ways that you've experienced this AI boom in your daily work life and or how about some people you lead are they are they integrated with it are they using it how is it affecting your daily daily routines? I can tell you I lead a team of creatives. And so I got to tell you AI is a little concerning to the creative group because how um, what's going to just, what's going to be real art after when AI gets involved? How do you discern between graphic design that people have spent a lot of time on and graphic design that is AI with just some limited instructions? And so one of the things I heard this week that I thought was crazy was our graphic designer had to edit a photo that got sent in and they had to remove some shoes and a shopping bag and add something for a, for a photo they just typed it in and it took it all out and saved her hours worth of time. That's where it gets really interesting from a creative standpoint. Addison, producer Addison could be concerned that our voices are getting used on some sort of commercial or some sort of product launch that we don't want to be part of because we put our voices out there on a podcast. That's the type of thing that I think I'm seeing on the questions that are popping up on a daily basis in my office. Personally, I don't even know if I call an 800 number, if I'm never even talking to anyone real anymore. I think that's all pretty much our chat on, I had a, a flight get canceled and I sat and chatted with Delta for half an hour and I don't think it was a real person but they solved my problem pretty quick. Didn't have any empathy, by the way, that my flight got canceled. A little sad about that. That's how I figured out it was AI. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where I you experience it is on some of that, getting just some stuff moved forward and getting some of the questions answered out of the way. But I haven't been using chat GPT to write or anything, but I can tell you as a writer, I can tell when I get writing that's chat GPT. I can always tell the sense and structure is always the same. And so that's one of the things that I'm kind of curious to watch from that perspective too. I've noticed a, a couple of things and I had a really funny instance the other day. My my wife and I were sitting in a car waiting for some takeout food to get ready. And, and she had asked me some questions. She said, I really need to brainstorm with you. She's a uh, does a lot of math tutoring, ACT prep stuff like that for for young college students and and high school students and and um so she she was like well I'm gonna I'm gonna advertise I want to get a few more clients out there but I need to come up with a name and so she you know th this is daunting now my wife is a math person not a word person I'm a word person but I don't have a ton of time because I have to go pick up the burritos right so we're sitting in the car so I plugged it into my app and and here's the thing that I love now. I can plug in, as long as I know how to ask a good question, it will give me some responses. And so right away, I came up with 10 suggestions for her. Now, she didn't ask me how I was so quick with all the words. I'm a word guy, I love words, but I'm not that good, right? But I came up with 10 easy suggestions. And, and then we started talking about it. She clarified a little bit more and she said, yeah, but the difference is I teach different than say a teacher would teach because I, I really explain it simpler. 
I said, oh, so you really want to make it stress-free? And she said, yeah. So I plugged in a few other words to describe what I was coming up and boom, another 10. By the time we got done and she was amazed, we had 30 suggestions for different names for her tutoring business, all in the matter of minutes that we could then go back. And of course, we weren't going to take any at face value. We'll mix and match, but but it gave us a really good solid start uh, to coming up on that project. So that's how I've experienced AI. I, so I found it really fun personally, because it helps accelerate a lot of the thinking. Um, but where I'm, what I love the most is I love that it forces me to ask better questions. The more specific of a question I can ask, the more specific of a return I get, that return is closer to my actual voice to Amy's point and how I manipulate that going forward then helps us get really concrete and gets us in the ballpark of where we need to start. So anyway, real life experience from, from uh, me and my wife as we tried to figure out a name for her tutoring. It's amazing how the technology is coming along. <laughs> I heard a staggering stat. I don't remember what the percentage was, but it was a very large number of essays in college that are currently being written by chat GPT. So, you know, <laughs> writing as we know it may change over the next five years as to how it's done and who's doing it. Uh, it's already happening at the collegiate level. Yeah, it sure is. I, as a matter of fact, I was talking to a professor the other day and um, they were saying that, yeah, term papers are almost obsolete. I mean, I have to really, I have to really manage and watch that. And I have to figure out how to mine their minds differently than I did before. Yeah, it's interesting. They have AI websites that will ta take chat GPT output and convert it so that it has a different sentence structure from what chat GPT puts out, but still conveys the same message. So it's, here's a problem. Teacher's like, oh, we can see now we can tell it's chat GPT. And now they have a new AI website that will change it to make it different. So it's mm. the progression we see, right? Yeah, Amy, as a writer, how does that make you feel? Like I was saying earlier, I can tell when it's chat GPT just by the sentence structure because they aren't, you lose the voice and you lose the personality in writing. But I I don't love it for that. But I will tell you, I think it's going to drive some greater works of literary excellence because people are going to have to think deeper than AI in order to be great. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's going to get really, really fascinating about this. John Acop was here a month ago on campus. And one of the things he's doing in response to preparative for AI is he's spending an hour a day tracking it, of course, an hour a day of just thinking, because he says, I'm going to have to train my brain to think deeper than ever before. So I can stay on top of, on top of it. So I don't become stock photography because that's what he says is going to happen. He's like, have you ever read a book that felt like stock photography? He goes, I don't want to write those books. And I think writers have to become that. So I think it's going to be a greater challenge to say, in order to have great writing, you're going to have to make sure you're really thinking deeper and writing simpler and clearer than ever before. So that's my kind of take on it as a writer. Yeah, and I think on the college campuses and, and some other things, those essays are going to need to be proctored and it's going to be more of a live setting. So it's going to be one thing for Mark to pull up his his uh, his device and and get 10 suggestions for my wife. It's another if I'm under pressure and I have to come up with those on my own. So at some point I feel I can't lose my ability to execute great thinking and creativity on my own. And then, as you said, how do I plug in and use it as a resource to augment and accelerate my ability to come up with great content and lots of it? 
And so I think that's one of the things that we really have to work on is to make sure our mind stays fresh. And, and I thought John did a great job of, of covering that and challenging everyone to really outthink AI. And that's kind of where we're at. We need to be smarter than the technology. Speaking of that, Chris, when you start to see how AI is accelerating within the business itself, how do you feel it's going to affect healthcare from your perspective? I think once it's put together in a way that is monitored and regulated properly, I think it's going to be incredibly powerful. I think the insights, especially in the medical field, that we'll be able to garner from it will be not just reactive, but we can get predictive, right? Where we start to see, well, we found this person had this issue and this person had this also this issue. Well, there's 80% chance within six months, they're going to see this episode, right? We can start to get to where the care that's given to folks um, heads off some of these emergencies at the pass, which I think is phenomenal and amazing. Uh, along with just giving our healthcare professionals more information to be more effective, to be uh, more responsive, to make sure they're ordering the right tests for the right person at the right time. You know, it, it's only going to improve things, I think, once it's done properly. But it's still in its infancy in our industry. The uh, Congress is really starting to dive in. They're doing a lot of sessions on AI and how to do AI responsibly. You know, a lot of the big players in the industry uh, have not yet put full AI pieces into production yet because they're still trying to figure out how do we do this safely. And the challenge with AI is it's database, right? So you put whatever data in, that's what you're going to get back out. And so it's so important to verify the data that it's pulling from to make sure you're getting accurate information. Otherwise, if you get the wrong thing, when people's lives are on the line with healthcare, it's a, it's a big deal. So Exciting things coming. Absolutely. We just have to do it with caution and with wisdom and make sure we're being very discerning on how we apply these technologies and how we build them because we're building some in-house right now and uh, just have to be very diligent in doing it properly. And I always think about two areas that come to mind when, when you talk about that, Chris. One is bias. And one, generally speaking, is ethics. Amy, what do you, how do you feel like the bias that goes into the database and the ethics of AI are going to play out in the next five to 10 years? That's a great question, Mark. And I, I don't know. I, there's, there's hope that with AI, the bias would be taken away since you aren't seeing, listening as much to people and it becomes a more streamlined process. But I also... I don't know that I have a great answer for that. Well, I think it'll be interesting because it's going to bring to light maybe some unconscious biases in the industry in that you'll actually be able to legitimately see and compare uh, diagnoses, outcomes, outputs uh, by ethnicity or whatever demographic information you want. And I think it'll be really intriguing when we get to that point to figure out, okay, you know, because I don't feel most people do this stuff intentionally, right? We've heard about unconscious biases. It's been, I think, all over the media lately, but it, it'll bring to light some of those things. I think it'd be really healthy for us as a, an industry, as a community to see, oh, okay, we, we do need to address some of these things. We do need to figure out how to better interact with one another, how to be more uh, equitable with folks and, and, um, I think that's that's a really neat upside to being able to uh, review billions of lines of data in a matter of moments, you know? 
And I think I think the interesting thing too, when it comes to some of the clinical outcomes, and, and I'm just speaking from kind of my side of the world, right? Let's talk positive psychology. What I've yet to see is a bunch of psychologists getting involved in the creation of the database, really having the clinical discussion of how this is going to impact outcomes and how do we form this so that we take into consideration some of the science of the brain, some of the science of people that we know, um, and and produce clean outcomes and not take us down weird roads. And so I'm really interested in when that happens, who's going to be invited to the table to take this kind of approach and really a holistic approach at the at the conception of creating whatever it is going to look like when it comes to this artificial intelligence. But I think the clinicians almost have to be involved and part of that conversation because there's so much learned experience that we have that in order to uncover both the bias and, you know, the things that we can predict, you know, hey, that's, you know, we don't want to have that in there or this is an outcome of this. You know, it would be interesting just to be able to run the models to get the right people around the table and then create it together. Well, I think it's, it's, <laughs> I saw a funny video and it was someone interacting with an AI engine and they, they posed the question, which group of people complains the most, <laughs> right? And so the, the tool came back and said, Hey, you know, it's not great to categorize people. And it came back with a great response saying, you really shouldn't put people into different groups or buckets or whatever, you know. And then the person came back and gave a clarifying, well, who says complaining is negative? Like it could, could be good positive feedback we're looking for, right? And then the, the AI came back with an answer. So it was kind of interesting to say, yeah, good first pass there, AI, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but again, it comes back to asking those deeper questions. And while I'm sure safeguards are going to be built into these things, it, it's the creative mind will find ways to work around it. So it's going to be an interesting next five to 10 years, that's for sure. Well, speaking of creativity, as we as we continue this down, let's start to think about creativity and innovation. So now we have a tool that does some of the lifting for us. Um, AI sometimes can feel like a personal assistant. Ask a question, get an answer. Ask a better question, get a better answer. And then continue to modify until you get it down to something that's workable. But how is AI going to impact creativity and innovation, both at work and in our personal life, when you really start to think about how it's being applied today? I would hope that it accelerates creativity because it's taking things away from you that would take you down from creativity. So things, the mundane things that you do, you do that kind of fill your time instead of actually being able to be creative and think. And I, so I think that that's a really good possibility. I also, you know, you talked Mark about making it a prompter to get you to get that, some of those ideas flowing. And I think that is another way that it could be helpful, but I think you're going to have to learn how to use it. Right. I found an article. I couldn't find it again. I was telling Addison that you're using ChatGPT. GPT all wrong. And I I kind of started looking for it, but I saw it on Twitter or X or whatever you call it now. And that I thought was really, really fascinating. Cause just like I learned how to be a master Googler. Like I, I can Google with the best of them. I can find all sorts of stuff on Google. I, you're going to have to have that sort of, sort of skill at AI to become, to use it, to get it set up. So it's just right in your life in order to actually propel you and not distract you 
not um, hinder you or not, it's not more white noise, right? I, I have friends who use chat GPT to write comical songs about one another that are mildly insulting, but still hilariously funny. So, you know, <laughs> there's definitely a, a creative fun element to it. Uh, like you said, if you use it properly, but I think there's advantages too, if we learn how to use it to manage our communication, because so often, especially in today's world where we're on video calls or non-video calls, so much is being done remotely and firing off an email in the heat of the moment or just trying to move fast. You can run that stuff through chat GPT or, or an AI engine to say, hey, how does this read? Or what am I communicating? What did you interpret from this? Or, or whatever it is, make sure that you're conveying the message you're trying to convey and not going to accidentally insult someone or accidentally, you know, be too abrupt or blunt or, you know, some of those pieces. So I think there can be some actual great benefits to using these tools to help with communication, to help people convey the message that's intended and really avoid stepping on other people's toes um, in certain circumstances. Yeah, I think you're right, Chris. The other thing I like about it, it can also structure a communication. And for those of us who don't walk around with proper form and structure, you can actually request that and the end goal will come out structured um, so that you can then just fill it in with the text that you need. But it brings up an interesting point in terms of well, how do we manage it? So now I want you both to put your leadership hats on and think about this. You have a team of creatives, you have a team of uh, database, we're building new technologies. How do we as leaders manage AI today and then in the future? Well, I think for today, we have to be very aware in how we're using it and in what type of data we're interacting with and be very cautious because AI is a baby. It's it's neat, it's new, but it's not polished and it's not ready for critical data. It's not ready for PII, PHI management, those types of things. And when it is used for those things, it needs to be very well contained and used with a lot of discernment. Now, the other side of the house is it, if you're not dealing with critical sensitive data, uh, extremely helpful, right? I mean, I saw there's a site out there, you can put a doodle, five second doodle, napkin doodle into a box. It'll create this magnificent work of art from it. <laughs> like you could draw a, a small heart and an amazing Photoshop piece comes out of it. Like that's just mind blowing when you think about what is possible and uh, what can be used for, for communication. Yeah, I know that I, I was putting together a presentation uh, the other day and one of the things that caught me off guard um, as I was just got to the final point, my very last thing I do is throw up a, a deck. I'm not a big uh, PowerPoint user when I talk, but but nevertheless wanted to have a deck. But I noticed that it had an AI prompt. And based on the data that I put on the slide, it actually gave me options for how this would look better, like what kind of graphics I could use, how I could plug them in, got me to a source of graphics that were safe. So I wasn't pirating them off anything. And I thought that was really fascinating in that process. Although I have a team that helps me, um, it, it made it really easy for me because I didn't get stuck on that part of it. I was able to focus on content and keep this thing going so that we could get to the final outcome or the final presentation. So I, I think it's being integrated slightly in. And for that, Chris, to your point, I'm like, yeah, try it, right? That, that That's okay. But to the point that you say, you know, but when it comes to the bigger things, the sensitive things, I think the ethics behind 
this kind of use and how we do it needs to really be fully addressed. And then I think compliance needs to be a part of it. Like what is safe, what isn't safe. And we have to have broad and deep discussions as an organization to make sure that we're staying on track. And what I love about signature performance is I know that that is the cornerstone of everything that we're doing is to have that team kind of backing us up and saying, okay, yes, no, yes, no. Um, until we get this to a place where we can really start to learn where we can trust it and where we can't. Amy, what would you say? Well, I'm going to take it and I'll answer your second part of your question. What do I think it's going to look like managing a team of creatives in 10 years? And what I think is going to be really fascinating is just like people put Canva on their resume I think they're going to be, they're going to put in their portfolio how they're using AI to produce creative work. And I think that's going to become really, really fascinating. And I think that jobs are going to shift a little bit in how do we all go deeper and wider at the same time. And so I think that's, we're going to be able to do a lot more as a team with less people, but we're also going to be able to go a lot deeper into um, different works. For example, our we just got in our mailbox Moment. Uh, Moment is a rich magazine that we put out every quarter full of content and content. And what can we do when we have AI involved and can help produce even deeper content and allow us to focus on creating richer content? Because we have more time. So I think that we'll be able to, in 10 years, I, I foresee our work propelling to even new heights. Yeah. And I could see that too. I think I think the, the engineering of questions are going to come out. It's going to be more and more important how we're utilizing it. But I also think this, and let me get your take on this. And I know we're getting close to a wrap here. But I also think there's going to be a resurgence of the old school. As I seen technology kind of propel us forward, I think there's going to be some resistance, not that we deny it, but that we start to appreciate what used to be. And so, for example, I don't think libraries are going anywhere. People still like books. I like digital readers. I like audiobooks. But man, I'm telling you, that could be a debate in and of itself. And I feel like a resurgent of what used to be the paint and the brush and the creativity and the snapshot from a human brain out might start to pick up momentum. How do you guys feel about that? Well, I just would like it to the audience to know that a guy just asked that question saying we're going old school and he just went forward and got rid of all his notebooks and pens and is only using <laughs> an iPad now. So I find that to be a really interesting perspective because that's not what he's doing right now. But that I think will become more valuable. Handwritten notes, what you what what you have your possessions i think that's what is meaningful i think that that it will become more it will become more meaningful there's no other way to say it yeah i think we have to fight for the right to connect and that connection is going to be huge and and there is something from heart to hand to pen to paper to somebody else that that's always going to be in the the imaginations and the creative juices of the world and so it will be interesting and and Chris and Amy, what a talk. Um, this is a little over our skis when we start to look at AI from an ethical perspective, AI from a leadership perspective, and yet it's the world we live in. I know this, there's not two other people on planet Earth I'd rather sit down and have this discussion with. So Chris, Amy, what challenge can we throw out to our listeners so that they can walk away and begin to use the information we talked about today? 
I, I would say a good challenge would be do some research, right? Spend some time looking into AI and how it can be positive in your life and how you need to protect yourself from it because both are vital. And the world that we are in, you know, there's there's good and bad. And we've got to be aware of both and, and how to uh, take advantage and prepare ourselves for both. So spend some time looking in ways to one, take advantage of what's available to us through this, but two, also how to safeguard yourself and your family from some of the crazy stuff that's out there. Yeah, I think that's really wise. With knowledge, we become more powerful. We're able to use technologies to advance humankind. And I think that's exactly it. And it starts with getting really curious. Hey, if you would like to get a mention on the podcast or plug in with us, I want to reach out and just say, hey, reach out to Addison at podcast at signatureperformance.com. You never know when your name will get brought up on this episode and or your voice. And we would love to share any ideas you have about future episodes and how we can take this conversation deeper into the things that matter to you the most. And for now, I want to say... Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Amy. This has been a great opportunity to talk about advancing technology and this thing called AI. You know what? I'm less frightened now. Thank you both for your time. And I appreciate you. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Amy. Bye, everyone. Signature Performance is the foremost leader in healthcare administration. Your work advancing our mission is transforming healthcare in the U.S. Signature is bringing together the best and brightest in healthcare. Discover opportunities at www.signatureperformance.com careers and be inspired to build an uncommon career that matters.